And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Hi, this is Tom Laurie. Welcome. Are you interested in learning about what it takes to succeed in life and career? Then this is the show for you. I will be your host today. Our cover story today will be High Potential Leaders. Our guest mentor today is Ram Sharan. Ram is a well-known business advisor, and we'll get into more of the details when I introduce him. Business author of over 25 books that have sold over 2 million copies and a highly acclaimed speaker with work that he does around the globe. He will be coming to us today from Hong Kong. But first, from the news file, I'd like to talk a few seconds or maybe a couple of minutes about a movie that came out this year called Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures is a powerful story of black achievement, but it's also a story that all of us can identify with particularly when it comes to working in large corporations or in any organization. People should never be defined by circumstances beyond their control. This movie really exemplifies this principle. Margaret Lee Shefferly wrote the book, Hidden Figures, and she chronicled how NASA mathematicians Mary Jackson, Katherine Johnson, and Dorothy Vaughn overcame legal segregation and racial discrimination to play a critical role in astronaut John Glenn's orbital mission aboard Friendship 7 in 1962. These three women were hidden in the company, and one of them decided to learn about this new thing called data processing, went to school, and organized a group of people within NASA to teach them how to code. She was a mathematical genius, And when they get into some really serious issues with regards to the orbit that they needed to uh, achieve, she was the one that broke through with the answer. There are two ways that we can disable people. One is by denying an opportunity to compete. And the other, which is more crippling, is to tell them that they no longer have to compete and that every door uh, will be opened. These people can only wonder whether accomplishing Something is real or simulated. Now, this applies to black Americans and tells the story about the plight in the 70s. But I think all of us know in our organizations today, there are people. And what we fail to do at times is that because of our own perceptions and worldviews, we really don't look at the underlying talent that these people have and what they can contribute to the company. Talent is not ethnic ethnic specific. Uh, Talent is not university-specific. And what these women showed in their quest with NASA was something that I think is an extremely important attribute for success, and that is grit. Uh, They did not let circumstances get in their way. They overcame the circumstances, and they went out and did something. Our guest today, Ram Sharan, will talk about the big leap, which is what one of these women did that led the group, and things that we can do to tailor ourselves or adjust or adapt ourselves to this chaotic environment that we're experiencing from a global basis. We will be back in just a minute with our guest, Ram Sharan. Welcome to the show. Ah, my health insurance is killing me. Well, it was killing me, too. That's why I just switched to a non-insurance ministry. It only costs $320 per month for my family of seven, and it's even less for couples and singles. Wow. It's a solid organization, been around 17 years. We have the dependability of a proven method, but it's different. It's Christian-based, so we don't have to pay for non-Christian practices like abortions. Plus, we can choose our own doctors. What is it? Samaritan Ministries. SamaritanMinistries.org. That's easy to remember. SamaritanMinistries.org. 
What do a stay-at-home mom, a college student, and a firefighter have in common? They're all HopeInACan.com work-from-home business owners. Join our team and you can be the same. You'll work from home, full-time or part-time, around your schedule. You'll be in business for yourself, but not by yourself. And you'll make a difference in people's lives here and around the world. In 1995, Dr. Ted Kalagris, the research doctor behind a nutritional company, wanted to do more. He launched a foundation to bring nutrition to the poor worldwide. Now, this award-winning company feeds more than 42,000 malnourished children every day. Be part of something bigger than yourself. Earn a paycheck of the heart helping others while you earn extra income. Call us toll-free at 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. 855-921-HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com to learn more. That's hopeinacan.com. Hopeinacan.com. Because you're active in your church, you may have wondered, how can we maintain the quality of our stained glass windows? What is their value? What would repairs cost? You can get a no-cost analysis of your church's stained glass windows at willethauser.com to help you make the best decisions for restoration or new windows. A free inspection and evaluation of your church's windows by the Willethauser Artisans can answer your questions. Over 120 years of stained glass design and restoration experience. Willethauser.com And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. I'm your host, Tom Laurie, and we're going to be talking with Ram Sharan about high potential leaders, how to grow fast, take on new responsibilities and make an impact, not only in your career, but also in life. If you have any questions or comments about the show, or if you've tuned in late, you can listen to the entire show or previous shows by going to thementorsradio.com. Ram Sharan, I have known since the early 1980s when I was with American Hospital Supply Corporation, and Ram came in on the last day of an executive management program at Northwestern to talk about strategy. And at that time in American Hospital Supply, which today is Baxter Healthcare, uh, we were struggling, all of us, I was a division president at the time, we were all struggling with strategic planning. And in four hours, Ram provided a template and a direction for all of us on how to do effective strategic planning. I uh, obviously became very enamored with this man and what he taught. He is a teacher extraordinaire, and I have worked with him off and on since then. He is, as I said earlier in the show, a world-renowned business advisor, author, and speaker. He's written a number of books, 25 to be exact. Three of them were Wall Street Journal bestsellers, including one which was on the best-selling list for 150 weeks, Execution, which he wrote with Larry Bossidy. And it was also on the New York Times bestselling list as well. He's written for Business Week, Time, Chief Executive, and USA Today. The latest book that Ram has published is High Potential Leaders. And what struck me when I read the book is knowing Ram, he has, and we'll have him tell his story, but he has been all over the world working with CEOs, with many, many corporations, as well as their executive groups and high potential people within each of these organizations. He has seen the threads of success. He, when we do sit down and talk, shares with me what he has seen. And this book, High Potential Leaders, really captures observations over many years of Ram working with high potential people some who have gone on to do great things and others who got off track. And from that, we can learn from his observations. And with that, I'd like to welcome Ram Sharan. Thank you, Tom. I'm honored to be on the show. And I'm very, very happy to share what I know. So please go ahead. Well, I, I know that you were raised in a little town in northern India, I believe, and I think it's really important for context for people to know a little bit about the family shoe shop and where you were raised and what you learned when you were growing up from your older siblings and also from uh, the shoe shop. 
Yeah, Tom, I was uh, roughly 36 miles from New Delhi, northeast, in a small town. And in those days, the Hindus did not have a shoe shop. So we, after the partition, created a shoe shop where my two brothers and I worked. In that shoe shop, I learned how to price a pair of shoes, what is margin, how many shoes in the shop, how to change inventories, and what is the cash at the end of the day. These are the most important things for any business. So I will go to school at 9 o'clock in the morning, come back in the afternoon at 4, I will go to the shop directly and sell shoes. And then when there is a lull, I will do my homework and go home at 9. My brothers, my father, my uncle couldn't believe it, how I was driven to learn the business. So the basics of the business were the ones that I got polished over a period of roughly six years before I went to the engineering college, the MIT of India. And that's where you were able to see that there are a pair of shoes you can't sell. Can you cut the price? or at the end of the year, you throw them away. These are very important items to learn the business. As a result of that learning, I have been able to dissect almost all kinds of businesses because the basic architecture of business thinking is now embedded in my work and in my brain. And from there, as I recall, after you graduated from university, you took a job in Australia in the engineering arena, and, and as I recall, it was manufacturing engineering or manufacturing operation. Tell us a little bit about what the lessons were from that. Yes. Uh, so, Tom, the school nominated me to go to Australia for one year if we can afford one-way fare, and they thought I would earn enough to be able to come back. I was very lucky to work India's, uh, Australia's largest utility, and there I got a chance from being a draftsman to start dealing with the business problems. So one day there was an occasion for me to sit with an executive and they are very informal people and they were going to lose a customer, the largest. And I was able to work with this person to design what should be the pricing. In the morning the CEO took that idea to the customer, retained the customer and that opened the doors for me to meet anybody in the company and I learned a lot about how accounting, budgeting, resource allocation, capital, all those basics of large companies I was able to learn over a 40-year period. And I would assume based on what you've just shared with us for uh, younger people who are just getting started uh, maybe in high school interning in some of these smaller companies or even in a retail operation to learn the basics would be an important thing. Is that? Absolutely. Yeah, Tom, the key thing is anyone who's going to start his or her business, anyone who's going to go for a larger company, and anyone who wants to realize and extend his potential as a business person, they must learn five things. These are basics of business. Every street vendor knows it. Every street corner store knows it. And these five things in order of importance are the cash. Cash is king. Unless you have a fraud, you can distort it. Second is sales. Third is margin. A fourth is how do you use your capital investment? You buy fixtures. You have inventories. And most important of all, you must know your customer and competition. If you master these, how they interact with each other is what makes a business acumen. So because of a CEO of a very large company saw me teaching this, he asked me to write this as a book. And therefore my first book, what the CEO wants you to know, and its first 55 pages tell you all this in a simple way that anybody can learn. Well, and uh, since you wrote that book, and as I remember, you wrote it for the CEO of Ford, 
Uh, yes. And then you turned it into a book. I remember that well. Yes. Correct. Now, the, the world has changed a great deal uh, since then. Yes. And you wrote uh, Attacker's Advantage, which we'll get to uh, later. But yes. it's really putting a lot of pressure. I, I know here in Silicon Valley, and I just read in the Wall Street Journal, uh, there was a survey taken of CFOs, and their number one issue today is talent, finding good talent. And I know with the book High Potential Leaders, this is the core of the book about how do you grow people, what, what really is going to be required as we go through the 21st century. So let's start first talking about what has changed. What, what has changed from an economic and an environmental standpoint that's driving everything? And what kind of people do we need to lead corporations? And for young people, what they need to think about uh, if they want to grow into uh, leadership and management yeah. positions. There is a radical change roughly starting early 2000 after the first debacle of the dot-com. And that change is led by people. And that change is that people like Jeff Bezos of Amazon picked up the most important thing in business, and that is you must know your consumer, you must know your customer, and you must treat each customer as individual, not as a mass market. And he had learned the use of mathematics, namely the algorithms and software. This has picked up, and as a result, anything, any decision people make, and if that decision can be digitized and be put to the use of algorithms, it will be done. This has caused a radical change. More productivity, but the most critical change, learn about each of your customer, treat each customer as unique, use that data and connect that data with your offering such that it is the most convenient, it is the fastest, and it is the cheapest cost. That is a revolution. And these were the basics of business in many smaller places in the world in the 18th and 19th centuries, but they did not have computers and they did not know how to use algorithms. And that requires a different talent, different high potentials who will connect consumer, consumer behavior, end-to-end -end experience, use mathematics and algorithms and software. And by doing this, you're changing consumers' habit. Consumers are delighted when they can get something they want, when they want, they want then, and they want it cheaper and delivered in one hour. This is the new game. And we've, I, I heard somebody recently say that the computer used to do the grunt work, and we've seen accounting automated, and we've seen uh, order processing automated. Uh, but with this change that you've just talked about, uh, because of the uh, depth and breadth of mathematics, that data now is going to be the scout. Uh, and it requires, from what I understand, and I think we agree, uh, a different way of thinking. Yeah. The first part is people used intuition and judgment solo. Now, businesses are more complex, large scale, multiple segments of customers, countries, cultures, technologies. So the data is needed. That data is now like the equities, like an oil's value. So analyzing data is mathematics, is the algorithms. That will increase the capacity of people to do their intuition, intellectual curiosity, be able to imagine things, but hard data gives them the foundation. And for how does this, going back to our audience, not only people working in companies or in organizations, but in smaller shoe shops, for instance, uh, the shoe shops yeah. of uh, Silicon Valley. How, how all, what about those people? How should they think about this? I mean, these changes yeah, are happening. I think the, yeah, I think the, the, many of the silicon companies are leading this change. 
many of these young people are now trained in coding in algorithm. They take computer science courses undergraduates. Many of these things can be learned without going to university. The courses are now available. Some of them are free. It's a mental thing. It's a learning thing. Just like in the 1900s, we have vocational schools. We now have these things available online. So the idea is that the shortage of talent today is to have that usage of data, cleaning of the data, using the mathematics, getting the algorithms, and then converting them for the benefit of the customer at the same time building a business. Well, when we, we've got to skip the break, and when we come back, we're going to dig in on this and talk some more about high-potential leaders. And uh, on the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about globalization and its impact. We're talking with Ram Sharan, the world-renowned business advisor, author, and speaker. See you after the break. My name is Nick Jordan. I'm the founder of Wells of Life. I'm here to tell you that there are 10 million people in Uganda without access to clean water. Imagine your water comes from a stream or pond shared with animals. Imagine that this water is loaded with parasites and disease. Each day, you have to walk three miles to fetch this because it's all the water there is. So what can you do about this? The great news is you can do a lot. Go to Wells of Life. Net and make a personal donation. Talk to your family, church, or company about funding your own well. Every penny goes to fund your well and will bring water and life to as many as a thousand parishioners in rural Uganda for up to 20 years. In this jubilee year of mercy, why not make this your act of mercy in Jesus' name? Go to wellsoflife.net and make a personal donation. Wellsoflife.net all Catholics are invited to join the Young Catholic Professionals, YCP for short, National Movement. One of the nation's fastest growing Catholic organizations with chapters in 15 cities nationwide and international interest, YCP was founded by peers to inspire young professionals to work and witness for Christ. YCP's programs are designed to help young people at every stage of the journey to grow as Catholics and as professionals. Our members use their experience to become ambassadors of the faith in the public square, forming tomorrow's leaders to step forward in their communities, parishes, and workplaces. There's an opportunity for Catholics of all ages to get involved. Visit our website, youngcatholicprofessionals.org, youngcatholicprofessionals.org, to learn more about how you can get involved in this exciting apostolate. That's youngcatholicprofessionals.org, youngcatholicprofessionals.org. What would happen if you or a loved one passed away suddenly? It might be difficult to think about, but prearrangement is very easy to do. It saves you money and it's a huge relief on you and your family when the need arises. Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services is a nonprofit diocesan ministry with a compassionate staff and many beautiful sacred locations from which to choose. We specialize in guiding you through the entire end-of-life process, making decisions easy and faith-driven for you now and for your loved ones later. Call now to learn more at 800-498-4989. That's 800-498-4989. Learn how easy it is to plan ahead. Call Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services at 800-498-4989. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. You're listening to The Mentors. I am your host, Tom Laurie, and we're talking <coughs> with Ram Sharan who is a world-renowned business advisor, author of over 25 books, and as Jack Welch said, Ram has the rare ability to distill meaningful from meaningless and transfer it in a quiet, effective way without destroying confidences. He has a valued advisor to Jack Welch for many years. And we're also going to be joined uh, later in the segment with Reza Ilkhani, who is the CFO of Bryologics, 
which is based in Danville, California. Biologics is focused on the eradication of AIDS and a uh, treatment for improving the cure or possibly leading to a cure for cancer. Ron, we were talking in the last segment about what's going on with regards to the basics in business, what's changed, the mathematical company. Uh, I'd like, because you did write a book on globalization or the global tilt, I'd like you, because of all your travels and you're speaking to us from Hong Kong, what are you seeing today with regards to globalization? There's been a lot. And then, of course, with America first and all of that, the, I think a lot of people have questions is where does this all Where's this all going to lead and what's really going on? In the globalization, Tom, there is things that are in flux. A lot of uncertainty, a lot of complexity. However, if you go industry by industry, you will see some have a very good globalization. For example, flows of currencies flows of financial area that continues almost friction-free. When it comes to manufacturing, creating jobs, you now have the issue of trade balance. Many of the countries' trade balance is very distorted. American trade balance is negative, almost chronic with a number of countries. So the President of the United States, President Trump, has taken that as an agenda that America first and he's forcing, suggesting, asking, cajoling companies to build here. Now, some of that is already happening because of 3D, because of mathematical area, higher value creation. For example, you can create an automobile today in 18 hours using 3D. So all those things are keeping this thing in, in flux. The positive side is <clears throat> that the emerging market, and China is no longer an emerging market. It's more on the way to become developed market over time. And that is the growth there is going to be higher. India running over 6%. China is 6% plus. These are large, China's a large economy. And so its total absolute growth is almost close to the, the growth in the United States. And it's higher than Europe, higher than Japan. So globalization is in flux. There is a tendency for protectionism, nationalism. People want to, 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 to protect their jobs. On the other hand, this chronic trade balances will not be tolerated, and that will drive further protectionism. Well, I know for my background in the medical field that entering certain markets, and one that comes to mind in particular, Japan, even though we had FDA approval, which is considered the most rigorous approval process in the world, uh, we could not enter the China, the Japanese market without going through another approval process. And it was really, uh, from our view, from an industry view, a way for delaying our entry into those markets, allowing them to uh, build their own uh, competitive uh, product. You finally got in, but it was very difficult. So I understand some of these barriers. Uh, and we had a trade balance with uh, Japan, a negative trade ban- balance on medical devices where Worldwide, we had a positive trade balance, so uh, it makes a lot of sense. And it always drove us nuts that we couldn't get into the Japanese market. So it's a good thing, actually, to get these markets opened up for us. And that will have an impact, yeah. uh, I would think, uh, Ram, on the small businesses, too, that feed product into the larger companies. Yeah, no doubt. So here we have companies from emerging markets much easier to enter the United States. And it's not the same thing for the U.S. companies to get there. Well, with all this chaos and everything, and I know you talk, uh, and when we talk, you talk about, I mean, there's change and there's always been change, but the change today is this structural change. If you could, you were talked about the mathematical corporation, we've talked about globalization, but I know what you keep emphasizing is structural change. Uh, could you yes. talk a little bit about that? Yes. See, there are several kinds of changes. Incremental change. 
change happens from year to year. Some sales more, some sales less. A structural change where the rules of competition are changing. So we have Amazon. It is online. And this takes 50% of the new online business. And it has changed the structure of the industry. That means only 15 years ago or so, all sales were going through bricks and mortars stores. Their growth rates were 6 7%. Because of mathematics, use of online, internet, and having the data and data processing, we now have a very significant percentage of total purchase online. It is a structural change. You take Google and you take Facebook. These two do the advertising. And the advertising dollar has now online with these two, roughly 50% of the total advertising. That is a structural change. Netflix now streams movies, some fresh original with very high success ratio. It's causing the audience from Hollywood. And that is a structural change. These are the changes. They will not revert back to the old days. It changes rules of competition. It changes how you make money in it. It changes how you will grow or die. Well, that how, I guess the question I have, how, with all your travels and everything, how are today's leaders coping with all of this? Well, those who are old economy, they are waking up. And many of them, those who are going to live in two or three years, they're not doing much about it. The, the boards are now looking for succession, not at the direct level, but two levels below. Younger generation who's going to stick with it, be creative, go at it. So right now, they're looking for talent. There's a shortage of talent who understands all this area of algorithms and so on. We now see the CEOs being recruited from the mathematical background, algorithmic background, like in Carrefour, like in, in, in Mattel. So that's where this thing is in a very, very delicate situation. This is Tom Laurie. We're talking with Ram Sharan, world-renowned business advisor and successful author about high-potential leaders Chaos in the World, Mathematical Corporations, and we'll be right back after the break to dig in about mid-level managers and how they can cope with this and what they need to grow. In classrooms across America, students are not learning the same history you did. Last year, McGraw-Hill apologized for calling slave trade immigration, and a popular world history textbook devotes a full chapter to Islam and Muhammad, but only a few sentences to Christianity and Christ. Recent federal testing shows students are far worse in knowledge of U.S. history than in math. Only 12% of high school students are proficient in U.S. history. Today's history textbooks not only fail to engage, they favor political correctness over true history. This is a serious problem that has a far-reaching impact on our culture and our future. What are your kids and grandkids learning? At CatholicTextbookProject.com, you'll find fresh, accurate, engaging history textbooks. Used in Catholic schools in more than 60 dioceses, these textbooks are highly praised by all, even award-winning secular university professors. Go to CatholicTextbookProject.com to find out why. This is a church, a church that might be like yours, with beautiful stained glass windows. Through the years, time and weather took their toll, so the people in this church went online and found Willethauser Architectural Glass. Willethauser did a free inspection and evaluation of the church's windows. Then their craftsmen, with over 120 years of stained glass design and restoration experience, brought the church's stained glass windows back to life. Willethauser.com. 
Ah, my health insurance is killing me. Well, it was killing me, too. That's why I just switched to a non-insurance ministry. It only costs $320 per month for my family of seven, and it's even less for couples and singles. Wow. It's a solid organization, been around 17 years. We have the dependability of a proven method, but it's different. It's Christian-based, so we don't have to pay for non-Christian practices like abortions. Plus, we can choose our own doctors. What is it? Samaritan Ministries. SamaritanMinistries.org. That's easy to remember. SamaritanMinistries.org. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Hi, this is Tom Laurie. Glad to be back with you. Thank you very much for joining us. We've had a very interesting discussion so far with Ram Sharan, who is a world-renowned business advisor and author. And we're going to be joined in this segment with uh, with, uh, Reza Elkani, who is the CFO of Bryologics uh, in Danville, which is focused on a new biopharmaceutical that will address uh, AIDS and cancer. And Reza's background is that he has had 20 years in finance and and economic consulting. He has uh, a shared background with me coming out of the University of Chicago Graduate School, the Booth School, and he also is, in my view, somebody that I've known for a number of years, one of the real geniuses when it comes to mathematical modeling. Welcome, Reza. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Now, Reza, you had a a question uh, for Ram. Uh, Yes, by all means. Uh, Thank you, Professor Sharan. It's really an... uh, I really appreciate this opportunity to ask you my question. Uh, So the question is that what about for mid-level managers who want to take the next step to become great leaders? How should they position their skill sets and their talents and uh, towards that goal? Thank you. Uh, It's a great question, and many, many middle managers are now beginning to think about it. They should confront the reality. And they should think why a middle manager will be needed in the first place. They should look into your decisions they make. Which ones will be digitized? Which ones will be done by algorithms? So the key first part is the change mindset. And they should look for the future because the future is great if you willing to change, if you willing to learn the new tricks, the new tools, to new opportunities. So if you are not adding any value, and if your decisions can be automatic by the algorithms, you should start getting out of that job in the first place. And second, learn what you can learn. Courses are available. How algorithms change decision-making. Join smaller companies where they need your large experience but you're willing to learn the new tools of digitization, algorithms from software, and that will make you very valuable. You know, if you're working in a company that has 10 layers, that company in five years will have five, and therefore there will be a squeeze of the layers. So time is to be in charge of your destiny and learn new tools and go to companies where they want longer experienced people who are willing to learn the new tools. And for that group, one of your uh, sections in the book, High Potential Leader, which I encourage everybody to get a copy of, just came out in March, you talk about leaps, career leaps. Uh, And Could you talk, and I know in a previous book, you talked about uh, gaining experience in other areas. Could you talk a little bit about the importance of both of those? Yeah, the leaps part is that people should know the brain can change in less than a millisecond. If you encounter some opportunity and you're willing to stretch yourself, you don't have to go linearly up the ladder rung by rung, rung by rung. So there are many examples of people who are aware of their gift of talent and they would search for experiences that are quantumly more complex, quantumly more uncertain, quantumly 
more challenging. That is a leap. So I have an example of a lady. She was a salesperson in Philadelphia in a pharmaceutical company. She did well. She got a territory to manage a sales leader. And then some people noticed her. And they saw her making great presentation and discussion with the CEO of large companies. They saw she could make a leap. And she was then sent to headquarters to be marketing manager for the whole company across the globe. That's a leap. Leap is important for everybody. And you got to test what your inner strength is. You cannot test without looking for experiences that are quantumly more complex, quantumly more faster, quantumly more uncertain. Test yourself. You will discover new talent in you. So not every company is that uh, enlightened to uh, move people along. Fortunately, as you know, I was with a company that did at American Hospital Supply Corporation, and the example I always give people is that I actually took a downward move to come out to California in a much smaller company after managing, I think, fourteen or 1,500 people on the operations side so I could get experience in sales and marketing. But, but I had to uh, push for that move. I wanted the sales and marketing experience, uh, and I, I was able to get it. But I know not all corporations are that uh, enlightened to do that. What, what do you – and I know your book, yeah, the, no. last, the last part of the book, you talk a lot about what people should be doing. Why don't we talk a little bit about what companies should be doing to bring these people along? Yeah. yeah. So, Tom, now we have new breed of HR people coming in. And now most companies feeling the pinch for shortage of talent. So they now have begun to identify high potential only. Most HR people now de devoting more than half their time on talent recruiting, developing, deploying, and nurturing. And so they're picking those 2% of the people who have 98% of the impact and creating individual paths and not vertical, linear, rung by rung. It has begun. It is now a little slow. Companies like J&J, &J, Johnson & Johnson, companies like GE's, companies like Microsoft, all they have begun to move this way now, some slower, some faster. And with regards to the skills needed uh, to move forward, we've uh, one of the things you talk about is the increased return on your time. And I know yes. that essential and non-essential work sometimes are uh, in the way. Could you talk a little bit about what you've yeah. observed there? Yeah. Yeah. One thing is this. All of us have the same 24 hours. The determination to use your time, that make a big difference. As Steve Jobs said, that will make a dent in the universe. So here is not only not do the waste work, but focus your attention, mental energy, dominant psych psychological energy on things that matter. So whatever you are doing, use the rule of three. What are the three most important priorities? 80% of your time needs to go. Selecting three is important. Many people don't want to do that. They want to do everything and they dilute their return on their time. But once you get going on it, you will see how impactful you are. Great. And we're going to dig in some more and finish up uh, with Ram Sharan in the next segment. Please join me after the break. What would happen if you or a loved one passed away suddenly? It might be difficult to think about, but prearrangement is very easy to do. It saves you money and it's a huge relief on you and your family when the need arises. Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services is a nonprofit diocesan ministry with a compassionate staff and many beautiful sacred locations from which to choose. We specialize in guiding you through the entire end of life process, making decisions easy and faith driven for you now and for your loved ones later. Call now to learn more at 800-498-4989. That's 800-498-4989. 
Learn how easy it is to plan ahead. Call Catholic Funeral and Cemetery Services at 800-498-4989. You need a break. This August, enjoy seven days at a stunning villa nestled in the hills of Tuscany, Italy for a -a one-of-a-kind symposium. You'll savor private walks in unspoiled countryside, majestic vistas overlooking olive groves and vineyards, a swimming pool, tennis court, and a private chef to delight your palate with the finest Italian cuisine. Day trips to Florence and Siena, insider tours of some of the world's greatest treasures in art and architecture, lectures and seminars from world-class speakers, including Dr. Michael Eshleman with National Review, Dr. Jeffrey Lehman of Hillsdale College, and noted art historian Monsignor Timothy Verdon, director at the Museum of the Famous Duomo in Florence. You'll experience relaxed, engaging discussions with like-minded new friends. Refresh your spirit. Awaken your sense of wonder. Go to TuscanyTrip.org to learn more. That's TuscanyTrip.org. TuscanyTrip.org. What do a stay-at-home mom, a college student, and a firefighter have in common? They're all HopeInACan.com work-from-home business owners. Join our team and you can be the same. You'll work from home, full-time or part-time, around your schedule. You'll be in business for yourself, but not by yourself. And you'll make a difference in people's lives here and around the world. In 1995, Dr. Ted Kalagris, the research doctor behind a nutritional company, wanted to do more. He launched a foundation to bring nutrition to the poor worldwide. Now, this award-winning company feeds more than 42,000 malnourished children every day. Be part of something bigger than yourself. Earn a paycheck of the heart helping others while you earn extra income. Call us toll-free at 855-921-HOPE. That's 855-921-HOPE. 855-921-HOPE. Or go to hopeinacan.com to learn more. That's hopeinacan.com. Hopeinacan.com. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and we're with Ram Sharan, who is a world-renowned advisor and author. His real-world solutions are being shared with millions and millions of people. His books have sold over 2 million copies. Uh, His advice is the kind of advice you can use on Monday morning. It's practical. It cuts to the core. Uh, And we're just delighted that Ram would join us from Hong Kong today to talk about his new book, High Potential Leader. And with that, I'd like to ask a question about what, what have you observed with regards to the difference in generations, particularly millennials? We hear a lot of uh, negative talk about millennials. Uh, maybe you have some observations there. Yeah. Tom, we also have the observations about the people for whom millennials are working. Just both ways. You've got to see from each viewpoint, and people have to come to terms that now, or in less than five years, these millennials are going to be in positions of power. And many of the senior people who have been 20, 30 years, if they don't go to the new demands of talent, they will find themselves in a difficult situation. So millennials have many things. There are three things that are common to most of them, but no two millennials are the same. We have to be careful that we not generalize too much. The first part, these millennials are largely focused on how they can build their capability. They want those experiences and not the old way that you are a staff assistant and carry my bag. Those days are over. Number two, They are having a brain architecture, access to information, that they can create a big picture in very little time because the information is available at fingertips and quickly. The senior people still don't use that. They came from silos. They don't see the total picture. So the millennials have the advantage to create big total picture very quickly. And third, when they work for somebody, they have to respect that body, and they want feedback on their work almost instantly. 
There's nothing wrong with that. That is how the apprentice system was built in the first place. But the senior people can't give the feedback. They're not used to it, and their feedback is still narrow, functional, not the total. So these discrepancies will remain, and they can work very hard. They do work very hard if they get the project they love to do. And when you say total, what do you mean by total rather than... Uh... You see, if you go to a, 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 a salesperson to give you feedback, and you're doing a marketing project, the marketing project is broader, and the person who's going to give a feedback is likely to give from a narrow viewpoint of Salesforce. Those are the discrepancies and difficulties. If you had one nugget to share with our audience on life and career, what would that be? For the millennials, continue to expand your potential. Find those experiences that will build you, but never forget that you must perform, be proud of performance, admit your mistakes, and find best people to work with. How much sleep do you get? I know you travel all the time. <laughs> I've, often, I've often wondered, how much sleep do you get? <laughs> yeah, Tom, I'm on the road, as you know, 100%. And I crisscross continents every week. So I now measure my sleep in terms of 47, 48 hours a week. It's not daily. And I'm always able to make up. Well, I know it's 4.30 or somewhere a little after that now in Hong Kong. So I, I'm always amazed when I hear from you. Uh, when you call out of the blue, sometimes you're in uh, Amsterdam or Taiwan or whatever. And I go, wow, yeah. sleep is really. Well, I really want to thank you very much uh, for your time today. For being on our show, I want to remind our audience that Ram has written a number of books. The most recent book, which we've been talking today about, is The High Potential Leaders, How to Grow Fast, Take on New Responsibilities, and Make an Impact. Thank you very much, Ram, for being with us today. You've been It's been a lot of fun. We appreciate it. You've been listening to The Mentors. We've been talking with Ram Sharan about high potential leaders. If you tuned in late, you can go to thementorsradio.com where you can download podcasts or any books we've discussed on the show. Until next week, on behalf of Rick Brutico, John Phillips, and myself, I am Tom Laurie. I urge you to be all you can be and to keep the candle lit for those who struggle in darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.